Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Today we celebrate the World Scleroderma Awareness Day in the topic, World Scleroderma Overcoming with Tech. Having a disease that nobody has heard of is a lonely business when even the doctors cannot recognize it or tell you what is going to happen. It is lonelier still. So Scleroderma Awareness Day was created to tell people, including the medical community, what it means to have this disabling disease. June 29 is a day to recognize the bravery of those who live with scleroderma and to demand equal treatment and equal care for people with scleroderma across the world. Scleroderma is an autoimmune connective tissue disease that affects an estimated 2.5 million people in the world. And it's when the body produces excess proteins called antibodies that attack the skin and internal organs. The skin becomes thickened and hard due to excessive collagen production and deposition in skin as a response to antibody attack. The condition is not a contagious or infectious disease. Scleroderma affects women more often than men and most commonly occurs between the ages of 30 and 15. And there are many different types of scleroderma. In some people, scleroderma affects only the skin. But in many people, scleroderma also harms structures beyond the skin, such as blood vessels, internal organs, and the digestive tracts known as systemic scleroderma. Signs and symptoms vary depending on which type of scleroderma you have. While there is no cure for scleroderma, a variety of treatments can ease symptoms and improve quality of life. The data and statistics in Nigeria on scleroderma is really poor as this disease isn't widely known and not very many people know about it. Hence, I thought of bringing on board a professional in the treatment of scleroderma to help us understand what this disease is actually all about. Is a professor of medicine and a consultant rheumatologist. Is also the first West African professor of rheumatology. Let's welcome Professor Femi Adelowo. Good afternoon to you, Prof. Good afternoon, Gloria. Thank you so much for inviting me to your program. It's such an honor. All right, let's get into the crux of the discussion. Health experts have explained that the causes of scleroderma are not known, but certain factors can increase the chance of having this condition. First is, why is this? Why is the cause not known? And second is, what then are the factors that can increase the chance of having the condition? You know, just like you rightly introduced, scleroderma, or what we now currently call systemic sclerosis, basically because it's not just the skin. When we say scleroderma, it means just skin. But when we say systemic sclerosis, it means that apart from the skin, other internal organs are affected. Just as you have stated, it is a rare condition. But of course, whoever gets affected is not going to call it rare. It's actually quite common when you look into it that way. Yes, you also write that it's uncommonly reported in Nigeria. But if you search through the website, you will find out that, yes, there have been reports of scleroderma from Nigeria too. It may not be to the same level, like for instance, you see with hypertension and diabetes, and that's what makes it rare. And even in, in advanced countries, it is still a rare condition. But like I said, you know, whoever has it, it is quite, uh, it's, it's common. It is a systemic autoimmune disease. And just like you said in your introduction, that affects the collagen. Collagen are the structures that we find in the skin, in the blood vessels. They're actually everywhere. They're so called connective tissue. And connective tissue just means connecting one 
structure of the body to another one. So it affects virtually every organ in the body, beginning from the heart to the kidneys, to the lungs, and like we have said, to the skin and even the joint. There are various types, you know, there's what you call the limited sclerodermal, which is one that characterized by thickening of the skin, just beyond the fingers, there's thickening of the skin. And then you have one where there is thickening of the skin that's proximal to the knuckles of the fingers. So we have what's called the diffuse, which is one that is commoner among Nigerians, and that would affect proximally to the knuckles, to the, the skin proximally to the knuckles, it would affect the, the face, it affects the trunk, you know, the arms, of course, you know. So you have the diffuse and you have the limited. So basically what is going on is, is that there is laying down of collagen fibers. There's also destruction of the blood vessels so that the blood vessels start to sort of narrow down. And once you have narrowing of the blood vessels, you limit the blood flow to that area. We don't know the cause. And you asked me, you know, why don't we? Well, we don't. We just, we just don't know as of now, you know. Of course, there's always an ongoing research. But we know that it is an interplay between something in the environment and a genetic makeup. So those who have it have a particular genetic makeup that makes them prone to it. And there's something in the environment, usually an infection with some virus, but there are so many other factors that have been associated, such as, for instance, we know that in South Africa, those who work in mines, you know, are more prone to develop scleroderma. So it's been associated with silicosis, silica dust. It's been associated with asbestos dust. It's been associated with various drugs, such as, for instance, vinyl chloride, drugs called bleomycin. It's also associated, I mean, apart from the drugs, you know, it's been uh, associated with certain surgical interventions. So there are quite a lot of factors that have been suggested to be associated with it. One other factor is various adulterated oil, adulterated or rapeseed oil. These are factors that have been associated. But when we say we are associated, we are saying we're really not so sure. We're not 100% sure. We don't have a direct link, just like, for instance, you know, when you find malaria parasites in the blood, that is malaria. But we don't have such direct association that we have. So all these have all been hypotheses. But basically, it's an interaction or interplay between a genetic makeup and something in the environment. And those factors are what I've mentioned now. All right, Prof. Now, what symptoms does this disease give and how can one know he or she has it? Well, the, the first thing that happens, and this is quite curious, is that the person really feels that the skin is choking the body because the skin is thickened. You know? He feels that it's, it's choking the body. That's usually the first thing that would happen. If they feel there's, like they're wearing a coat that is, that's choking them. They also can present with pain in their fingers, at the tip of their fingers, especially when they are exposed to cold or when they dip their fingers in cold water. They have these changes and pain, which we call Reynolds phenomenon. And that is characterized by color change. You know, you have a color change in the tips of your fingers going from initially it blanks out, then the, the, the finger changes color to blue, and then finally to red. That's what they call the Reynolds phenomenon. So this can go on for several years before the other skin manifestation happens. 
And then they notice other organ involved, you know. They can notice, for instance, when it affects the lungs, that they have this difficulty in breathing, especially when they walk short distances, they become very breathless. And they are very little cough. So they're breathless, but little cough. Then they can develop hypertension. They can develop kidney involvement. When it affects their uh, intestine, they can develop constipation, which may be on its own or alternates with diarrhea. They can also present with a reflux. Uh, everything they eat, you know, gets reflux out and they can develop ulcer. They also notice, of course, their skin changes, it becomes dry. Their mouth becomes narrower and narrower because of the collagen deposit. And that collagen deposit will lead to fibrosis. Fibrosis is a form of scar. Imagine you have a scar on the skin of the mouth, you know, that becomes puckered, becomes rather narrow. So these are these possible changes. One other change which we notice commonly in, in Blacks, you know, and peculiarly in Blacks, is what you call a salt and pepper appearance. Salt and pepper appearance, you have areas of hypopigmentation interspersed with area of hyperpigmentation. So we call that salt and pepper appearance. They can also have joint pain. So it's quite a whole lot, quite a whole lot of presentation they can have. But it begins with the skin. It also begins with the digits. Okay. All right. Now, uh, you mentioned some symptoms and I remember we had a conversation on lupus. So, Prof, these symptoms, they're sounding alike. What then is the difference between scleroderma and lupus? You know, the lupus, scleroderma belong to the same class, family of conditions or diseases we call systemic autoimmune disease or connective tissue disease. So sometimes there's actually an overlap between their presentations. Okay. Uh, but the peculiar one for scleroderma is the skin thickening. The skin just gets thickened, which we don't have, you know, with lupus on its own. But the other presentations can also be found in both of them because there's, there's a lot of overlap between these conditions. Okay. All right. Then now I read that this disease is particularly commoner in blacks than whites with the highest frequency among certain Americans, Indian population. So why is this? And I also read that it affects more women than men. Is there a particular reason for that? Well, why does it affect females more? Because our immune system, these are what you call autoimmune diseases. Our immune system is driven by the estrogen hormones. And both males and females have estrogen hormones. But of course, as you can imagine, it's more in females than in males. So because the estrogen hormone drives the immune system, any abnormalities of the immune system like we have with this autoimmune disease like SLE, Lyscleroderma, is bound to occur more in females. Why does it occur more in blacks? At least in the U.S., it occurs more in blacks than in whites. Again, that probably has to do with a genetic predisposition. We don't have any other explanation that there's a genetic makeup that is commoner in blacks than in whites. Oh, okay, then. That's quite clear. Okay, let's talk about the roles that tech has played in the overall treatment of scleroderma. Well, I remember my conversation with you on lupus, we, there wasn't really any role that tech had played then. But is it the same case for scleroderma? Has tech helped in any way, probably in the treatment or in the diagnosis of and or in the management of this disease? Well, yes, it's almost the same, but let me just make a clarification. Tech may not have any direct link in terms of diagnosis. It's still what a rheumatologist will have to diagnose. For instance, there is no program that a tech can draw 
that will diagnose, for instance, hypertension. You still have to use an instrument. If that is tech, then that's fine. But for autoimmune diseases, the way tech comes in, it might be that the blood test we use to make the diagnosis, you know, these are sometimes tech-based, you know. And then in terms of our assessment of patients, there are certain computer programs that are developed to monitor the patients and see whether the patient is getting better, whether this patient is reaching what we call a stage of remission, which is not a cure, but it means a cure, but qualified with a, a cure means a cure, means no, no more doctor, bye-bye to the doctor. But a remission means there is some form of cure, but you still have to take your drugs. So we have certain programs that can say, okay, when you get to this point A or point B, Yes, we're in remission, you know. Or when you get to this point, A or point B, when what you call a low disease activity. So we have that. In terms, that's in terms of follow-up. But in terms of diagnosis, it is still a human thing uh, in terms of being able to look at the patient and say, this is what I think you are. And then you're going to ask for certain laboratory tests to confirm the diagnosis and also certain imaging, certain blood tests, to confirm other organs that are involved. That's serious then. Prof, listening to you and just getting from what you've just said now, how then do we manage this disease? How then do we help people living with scleroderma today and World Scleroderma Awareness Day? What can be done? After definitely you've been identified that you have this disease, what's next? What happens next? I think the first thing is this. Let the patient know that this condition is not due to a spiritual attack because education is very important. Most of our patients who come to see us, and they've been to so many places, they've gone through virtually everything you can think of, and they've gone through certain complementary uh, alternative medicine. They've gone through some herbal medicine. They've gone through uh, some spiritualist, and they have a, a, a recurring information given to them that this is a spiritual attack. Somebody is after them or there's some jazz being thrown at them. And maybe that's not perfect when you have nobody to explain to you this, what is going on. So education is very, very important. Number two, once you make a diagnosis, there are certain drugs we can use to combat the various side effects that's, uh, or the various presentation that this patient can have. I spoke about Raynaud's phenomenon. You know, there's something we can use, there's a drug we can give to combat that. You know, when the lungs are involved, we have very potent drugs we can give. And of recent, there have been uh, approval FDA for a particular group of drugs we call biologics, which we can use for the lung involvement. Because those are the areas where, you know, we need to take close look at. When the kidneys are involved, there are certain drugs we can use to prevent the damage to the kidney and to control the blood pressure. Presently, uh, unfortunately, we don't have any drug that will control the hardening of the skin, unfortunately. I mean, that's just it. But for the other parts of the body that's involved, including the intestine, we have little drugs we can use. Yeah. So that, that's, that is it, you know, yeah. Yeah. Doctor, for those living with scleroderma, do they ever get out of this condition or it's lifelong? Unfortunately, I would have to say it is lifelong. Because unlike things like, oh, I have a malaria fever, I have an chest infection, that once you are over it, that's all, bye-bye to your doctor. But there are quite a lot of human afflictions that you virtually have to be 
followed up for most of your life. You know? I mean, people have hypertension, for instance. There is no cure. People have diabetes. There's no cure. They have to be followed up. There's no cure does not mean that we can't control. It only means there's no cure. A cure means you have a particular condition. You take a drug for one day, for two days or whatever. You are well. That's the end. You know? So this type of condition, just like the others I've mentioned, would have to be followed up over a long time to come. And is a specialist, in this case, the rheumatologist, who determines what drugs to use at what time. And that decision is based on the knowledge that we have already of this condition and its management. All right, Prof. So what exactly is the cost plan like, the cost uh, for treatment, treatment cost? Is it really expensive? Is it affordable? I think I need to say that it's quite expensive, you know. Wow. You know, for any condition that there's no end to it. I mean, look at hypertension, look at diabetes. There's no end to it. For such a condition, you know, it's, it's actually cost, cost intensive, you know, because you have to take your drugs. Sometimes you have to change your drugs. Sometimes you have to add on another drugs. And it's an ever-growing thing, you know. Uh, but I think the good news is that we have very effective drugs that we can use in situations like this. That's the good news I can tell about this condition. So it's not all gloom and doom. Okay, then. So final words, talk as we, uh, Prof, as we run off today, World uh, Sclerodema Awareness Day, the theme actually is, I am a passion, not my disease. So what are your final words as regards sclerodema and its awareness? Well, I, I think, you know, there must be an awareness by the people surrounding them. Yes, it is a disease in terms of classification, but it's not a disease that we expect the person to be isolated. There is a lot of ignorance about many of these conditions. And unfortunately, this misleads a lot of patients. But some of them, you know, uh, avoided. Uh, and like you rightly said, it's not a contagious disease. It's not an infectious disease that if you touch the person, if you eat from the same plate with the person, you are going to catch it. But in, in our own climb, you know, many things are overblown, you know. So we need education by people who surround them. We also need an understanding. Understanding is very important. So you just don't abandon them to their faith and say, listen, you know, you have a problem that, you know, I'm, I'm not part of it. I can't solve it for you. Somebody who is after you, just leave me out of it. You know? So we need an understanding. We need an empathy. We also need a recognition, you know, by the doctors to know that they must refer this patient early enough and to understand that these are not infectious conditions and that is money intensive. You know, you have to spend a lot of money, sometimes on investigations, on management, and there must be an understanding by the families. Unfortunately, this is it, you know, and you just have to do it that way. So for last minute statement for patients who have periodama, please don't give up. Please go early to see your rheumatologist. It's a long journey. It's not an 100 meter dash. It's a long journey. It's slow. Sometimes it can be frustrating. But be assured that your rheumatologist is there. Also be assured that he knows what to do and he will do the best for you in the prevailing circumstances. So those are the areas that we need to have greater recognition and even conversation going on among ourselves. And I think the radio stations like yours, you know, can also be in the forefront of it and drawing attention to some of the challenges that some of these people could have. They do have challenges. Let's just be honest about it. They do have challenges. 
Yeah. Yes, Prof. And we will not stop that conversation. We will be in the forefront of the awareness about this disease and many other diseases that not very many people know about. Thank you for joining me on the show. I've been speaking with uh, Professor Femi Adilowo. Um, he is a professor of medicine and a consultant rheumatologist. Is uh, the first physician in West Africa to specialize in this specialty and also the first West African professor of rheumatology. Thank you for joining me on the show, Prof. Thank you very much, Gloria. Thank you for having me. And bye-bye. Yes. Now, treatment for scleroderma has drastically improved in the past 30 years. Although there's still no cure for it, like you heard, but there are many different treatments that can help us manage our symptoms. All you need to do is to talk to your doctor if any of your symptoms is getting in the way of your daily life. Your doctor can help you adjust your treatment plan. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.